pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be dissecting an epic weekend in the Six Nations, plus we'll be having a chat with former Ireland hooker Bernard Jackman after Ireland defeated France to confirm their status as world number one. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Not just an epic weekend, Andy Rowe. An epic week. Oh, yeah. What a week. I can hear it in your voice. Who's ill? That I can hear it in us. my voice. I think you gave it to me. Well, I might have gave it to you. That I... moment we kissed on stage in Edinburgh, did we? No, we didn't. No, no that we... was in Dublin, which is where I was man down in Dublin town. And you were severely sunburned, but it turns out it was high blood pressure. And we got to Edinburgh on the Wednesday. I'm in bed all day. Man of the people. What do rock and roll stars do? They get out of bed, they do a load of other things that I didn't do, and they hit the stage, which we did. How cool was that in Edinburgh? Edinburgh, massive shout out to everyone who came. It was mind-boggling that nearly 2,000 people came. We ran up to five. 50,000 people. We sold out, stadium tour. No, anyway, Usher Hall was packed to the rafters. I got booed. Of course I did, because I'm English in Scotland, but what a place. Uh, it was just amazing. I'm... I'm I was taken aback and I took a picture of it empty before, sent it to the missus. And she said, so I hope people turn up because that looks quite big. And then I sent her a picture afterwards of when it was full. And obviously we had our camera crew in there taking some pictures. And she's like, who the fucking hell wants to listen to you two? But they did. They came in their droves and even Beck came. She did. I mean, who brings their missus on tour, Jim? She loves me so much more now. Does Having actually... been there and see that on stage and see it unfold, I think she was a bit shocked, really. But we need to humble. Call... Andrew Goodout, the great redeemer, turned up on stage, not just wearing the smallest Scotland T-shirt. It wasn't even a rugby jersey. He couldn't get one on. A T-shirt. He was wearing trues, which are tartan trousers, but they were that tight they were leggings. He rocked up on stage <laughs> in black watch, tartan trues, and a skin-tight T-shirt. Hernia popping out. You looked a million dollars. And the great well, redeemer, they were happy to see him on stage do that. I had to just go there humbly and apologise for being English in Scotland. You won the Calcutta Cup. And effectively, I was the guy that made Scotland so bad at rugby for about nine years when Jim Hamilton played for him because I told you to play for Scotland because you were never going to play for England. So I went there with an apology and uh, I thought, you've won the Calcutta Cup. I can give you a bit back and I can pretend to be Scottish for a night. Well, anyone can be Scottish now. Do I'm Van der Merwe, Muck Merwe. We've been through all this. Yeah. And like basically they said, yeah, if you wear a, a pair of trues, you can uh, apply to be the third choice tight head prop for Scotland at the World Cup because I haven't retired from international rugby yet. So Yeah. Big shout out to Andy Powell, who rocked up and was a, he was a good six out of ten. We don't want nine out of ten Andy Powell. Like we don't need that. <laughs> no, that ends the Beck, show. Beck didn't Beck didn't want to see that. Beck weren't expecting a 9 out of 10 Andy Powell, but we got a 6 out of 10, and we got a 7, 8 out of 10 John Barkley. So it was smooth. It was good. Really it was good. great. And uh, What a high. The bagpipes, a bit of a sing-song at the end, and now we're in a low of realising that we drank too much. 
for a couple of days. We had man flu over the weekend and um, Scotland are really good and England are still shite. Goody, you mentioned the bagpipes. A massive shout out to Ewan and Morty who played in London and Edinburgh and everyone else, of course, who we just mentioned who attended the shows. We have more live shows coming up, one in Cardiff on the 23rd of February with Ross Moriarty and then in Belfast in March with Stevie Ferris before we head to Dublin and then back to London in Paddy's Week ahead of Ireland v England. For all the list of dates and ticket details, just go to the rugbypod. Dot com. I'm not going to any of those. I'm not either. Yeah. <laughs> Ask us next week. Right now, no interest. Well, I had Mantle over the weekend, right? I said to the missus. So I dropped the kids off. We, we did the show in London on Thursday night as well. Got home late then. Did the school run Friday morning. Missus had gone to work. I've gone and bought some Lemsip and got into bed for the whole of Friday until... I set my alarm for three o'clock in the afternoon to go and pick the girls up from school. If Goody gets into bed, he's on death's door. <laughs> I'm telling you, this lad is bulletproof. Absolutely bulletproof. If you're in bed, well, then someone's ill. Well, this is the thing, right? You need to tell my missus that because she was like, it's just a hangover. What are you on about? She said, how many pints do you have? I said, oh, six or seven. She went, what? I said, well, is that, is that not enough? Is that too many? She's like, that's a ridiculous amount of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good job I didn't say 16 or 17 then because that's close to the truth. But um, Beck thought you looked well as well. Sorry, just to put that in there. She said, I don't know what you're taking the piss. No, off. genuinely. She said, I like, I don't know what you get stuck into. Goody weren't as big as I thought. That's what she said. I said, What do you mean? I, I, love, said, you. I love you too, Beck. That's what she said. She yeah. said, You had nice skin. And yeah, maybe she could see the vulnerability coming. <laughs> maybe she could see you sweating profusely and thought, Actually, I need to bring this man back up because the hernie was busting out on stage. <laughs> the belly button gone from in to out. No, it was great. Again, what what a few days. Leading into the games in the weekend, how good was that Ireland-France match? Best game you've probably seen in years. Mm. Years and years and years. It was, well, it's the top two going against each other, wasn't it? The quality of the rugby, though, um, just, and I've said it loads of times on here, the handling, the the shapes, the understanding every player has of where they need to be in, in attack and their roles. And you just go to my boy, Finley Beelham, my holiday boy. He was really good. He started it off, didn't he? With the inside ball. Um, but yeah, as, a, as a game, it was dripping in quality from both teams. France were outstanding as well at times. And, you know, it takes right up until the 73rd minute or whatever it was for Ringrose's try really to end the contest. Um, and that, it was enthralling, really was. And I, I'll be honest, I watched it from bed on Saturday afternoon. I said to the missus, She's like, right, what are we doing this afternoon? I said, oh, I need to go to bed again. I'm, I'm absolutely dying here. Um, and she was like, right, I'll take the kids out. You go and get some sleep. And I just sat in bed and watched the rugby. Um, so it was amazing. It made me feel good, actually. And then I fell asleep afterwards before watching uh, Wales against Scotland as well. Well, we'll come on to Wales being dispatched by the Scots. <laughs> Never thought I'm I would sure say that. But like that game, fair play to France. Because I've said before, Ireland are unplayable, mm. and they still are mm. with some of the stuff that they did. Yeah. But I think, and we'll obviously know more after the next round, because Scotland play France in Paris, but two, of the, well, they are, they're one and two in the world. France have got cojones, right, to, we'll look at Pedro's try. They've got the bollocks to Played a lot, offload. didn't they? Played a lot more than I expected them to. But, well, that's, but they are the only team in the championship, which they did, which I think can challenge Ireland. But mm. that's because... They're happy to jouer, old school stereotyping, but they are happy to jouer, offload out the back door. Like some of the offloads that they do in contact, they must be 
speculative or 50-50. It's how they're coached though, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's in a minute. All, all I remember from my days at Breve was we used to do these drills where it was Don Lax, which is in the, in the arse behind, like come out of the- Is that what French- Don Lax, Lax. We need to get ourselves up to a level of, like the World Cup is in France. Yeah. So if, and all I say is rest on bar, tray on bar, placage and fatigue. <laughs> that's it. That's all I know. What do they mean? Well, fatigue is tired. Yeah. And Trey Fatigue is very tired. <laughs> and did you use this when you were over there quite a bit? Every day. <laughs> Jim. Every five minutes. C'est bon? No. Just we Fatigue encore. <laughs> Which means, again, I am tired again. J fam, that's what Goody would say all the time. Something to do with being hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we used to do these drills and it was literally like offloading and you're supposed to stay directly behind the player in front of you with the ball. So he opens the space, the gate. Ouvert. Yeah, there you go. Open. Uh, Ouvert la porte. Open the, open the door or whatever. That's how they see the game played. That's sort of ingrained in them in terms of how they train and from a young age, but also it's how to break the game up, isn't it? If you're playing against Ireland and you've got beasts at the breakdown, which they have, you know, you've got to try and shift the focus in attack and not let an Irish defence get set. So the way to do that is offloading through the tackle zone and having the ability to throw speculators, but also... You know, we're not talking about Julian White, my old hands, trying to throw an offload, are we? We're talking about proper forwards that can all... Yeah, you know, the game's changed massively, hasn't it? And this is the difference between... You look at that Ireland, and we'll get onto the England-Italy game later, but you look at the ball skills of the Ireland and the French teams, the forward pack especially, top two teams in the world, that is why. That is the difference, and that's why. And that's what every other team needs to try and aspire to be. And other teams are getting there. Scotland, 100% getting there. In terms of yes, we are. what they did in the second half. And it's not just Finn's magic ball at the end, at the side. It's the, the cohesion, that, you know, the understanding, the attacking lines, everything like that. Every team moves up that ladder in terms of their abilities by how good their forwards can handle the ball. Pino's try. Let's just unpack that and focus on that for a little bit. Because where does that rank as far as tries that we've seen in the Six Nations? And also against one that we saw a week earlier, with Duane van der Merwe's try. Oh, Duane's is still the best, I think. Well, he's an individual. He did it by yeah. himself, yeah. effectively. Whereas yeah. Penno's was... Oh, Penno's was... Jalanche was involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a bounce ball to start off with. Bounce mm. balls always work for one team, don't they? Either the other, one team intercepts it and goes in, or the it causes an issue in a defensive line. Everyone gets on their haunches and someone picks it up and goes through. And it was classy offloading and a brilliant line by Penno, but... I still think Duane van der Merwe's try was better than that. Penno's good though, isn't yeah. it? Like Penno for me is, I, I, it's a big statement. A lot of people have said this. Someone said, my mate, maybe he's my agent. Let's just say it was Ravo, we'll blame him. Um, he's the money ball in terms of stats and value. And he'll be one of the highest paid players anyway, I imagine. But his output in terms of meters made, collisions, effects on games. I don't know whether he does this skill. Let's just say that he does. But returns on kickoffs. Mm. Uh, in terms of like money ball, like value for money, he's there. If not number one, then he's in the top five. If he isn't, it just sounds so cool to, cool to say, Penno's the money ball. There we go. But he's wicked. Like he's a a worldy yeah. of a player. Yeah. And getting onto the game, it was class to watch it with a couple of howlers. Go on. Your mate. First what do you mean Barnes is getting old? What do you mean no. he's getting old and he's missing stuff? No, no, no. I thought Wayne Barnes refereed the game exceptionally well. And part of the reason it was 46 minutes and 10 seconds ball in playtime, which is ridiculous for a game of rugby. Brilliant. And part of that was Barnes' interpretation and speeding the game up and letting the game evolve. 
wasn't overly whistle happy, but between him and his team and the TV director, they've got two decisions very badly wrong in the game. And they even themselves out because Winnie Antonio, he's been cited. That is a red card every day of the week. I had people messaging me saying, what is Goody talking about in terms of thinking that you were wrong? Yeah. And now he's been cited. Yeah. He's six foot six, however big he is. He's upright. He's never legal to make a tackle. Well, he's butchered Rob Herring, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, and the, the big thing around it is when, when Wayne Barnes said, uh, I don't see this as high degree of danger. Fucking what? Heaviest man on the field, flying out the line upright. He catches him on the chin. So, uh, you know, Barnsley, it, it will happen because he's been cited and I expect he'll get a ban. But the other one is not Barnsley's fault necessarily. James Lowe's try. I mean, what a world of a nearly finish. How's the touch judge not seen that? Well, one, the touch judge. Two, how have ITV got the picture at half time of his foot clearly in touch, yet the TMO and the TV director hasn't managed to see that and show that to Wayne Barnes? Are we cowboys or what? How is it not? In this day and age, with all the angles available there and then, and we berate French TV directors, don't we? What do you mean it was Laporte's brother? <laughs> and he's up against France now. He doesn't want France to win. What do you mean it was Laporte's brother? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that just shows the issues that are in the game. And there needs to be a full investigation around how it can be handled better. And I see in Super Rugby, they're trying to speed it up even more by giving the TMO even less ability to make decisions. But in reality, who's watching that game and then seeing his foot in touch and going, oh, do you know what? It, we just sped the game up. It was fine. No one's saying that, are they? Everyone's saying, how the hell did that become a try when it was so obvious? It was like, it, it brought me back a little bit. Not as badly. Wilkinson. Yeah. yeah. I knew you were going to say England, that. Scotland. Absolute robbery. Yeah. England, Scotland, that Twickenham. What year would it have been? Oh, I was playing, so it was a while ago. I don't know when it was. But 11, maybe? Yeah, I think it was it wasn't, 2009. Because he was just coming back for the yeah. World Cup. Johnny Wilkinson is literally in the East Stand. He's he's got three feet in the East Stand because he's got three feet. I actually Two left ends, on the pitch, and they've gone to the TMO and they've gone. Yep, that's a fair try. I'm like, Are you fucking what? His he feet. Was, he was his so feet far were in the seats. Like yeah. so, so some poor lad in the front row had Johnny Wilkinson's boot in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, lost all of his teeth. Um, but it wasn't as bad as that. But it is when you see the picture and the still of his foot on the floor. You see his face when they gave the mm. try. Well, he didn't look like he. Well, yeah, he knew he, he knew he hadn't scored. Yeah. He could um, feel it. His bloody his toenail came off. It was he hit it that hard. <laughs> and then obviously Winnie Antonio should have been red carded. What about the Ponce tackle? Yeah, it's, it's it's on my mate Mac Hansen. He ain't big Mac, is he? I think Mac thought the game stopped. He wasn't even pumping his legs. He's like, what's happening here? It was the pump, mate. He's, yeah. It's like being tasered. I yeah. imagine. <laughs> yeah, he is short. He is hard. He is strong. The pump. Yeah, um, he's a, he was pumping the legs, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a absolute phenomenon. That lad. I know you see when he gets his, you see when he gets his hand off out as well. Yeah, mm. That's how strong he is. Isn't yeah, it? I just hope that he's got in Big Mac Hansen's head because we've got that tattoo bit, which Beck was asking, "What's this about?" But go on then. Let's remind us again about the tattoo. Well, if I don't want to, don't want to remind. Why? You. No, because it's forgotten. No, it's not. It's in the archives. So well, when, when Ireland beats Scotland, if Ireland beats Scotland, then I will get Big Mac with a eye, K above your eyebrow. Or? I was actually thinking about getting it on the eyelid. That's how edgy I am now. <laughs> And if Scotland beat Ireland, then Big Mac gets Big Jim just above his little boy. Well, we can get an Irish perspective on the game now and have a chat with one of the best minds in the game. Former Ireland hooker Bernard Jackman joins us. How are you, mate? Good, lads. Good, good to hear from you. Mate, it's great to see you again. I want to introduce my partner in crime, James Hamilton. <laughs> I met him for an hour, an hour, an hour last week, but um, then he just had to go send a, 
Instead of sending an email, I promise I'll be back. No. <laughs> so how are you, mate? Obviously, massive win at the weekend. You were in and around the stadium, filming, putting stuff out on social media. I love your social media. You can educate the whole of the rugby world by just listening to Bernard Jackman. <laughs> uh, no, look at I was I had pitch sides um, viewing, took a little bit of my phone, um, then did a highlights package in Caelan Doris. How good is he? Um, look, Ireland are Ireland are flying because uh, I think that was a that was a good test match, a very good test match. France came to play. Um, we were down to like our third choice player in in a few positions near the end. We still managed to go and get that that fourth try. Farrell has done an incredible job. Um, I mean, speaking to the players who who work on them, they just they love him. They absolutely love him. Um, he has the charisma. He's doing a lot of stuff off the field to kind of create that culture. Um, but yet on the field, tactically, you know, you're seeing things like that power play off a, a goal line dropout, um, you know, our attack shape, lines are running. Everything is is is, is very high level. And um, they don't seem to be stuttering as well with the pressure of being number one in the world or, you know, pulling up, going into a World Cup. They look like they're getting a bit better. So, um yeah, it's positive. Uh, and it was great. So many French people came over and like they make, look at you guys played in France. It, they, they just add to it, you know, like there's 10,000 French in Dublin this weekend, but 5,000 had tickets. And when I got there two hours beforehand, you know, they were already in the stadium, you know, making the atmosphere. Because uh, sometimes on a quarter past two kickoff on a Saturday with corporates and all that, you know, it's dead. But when you've got one country or one set of fans um, who are there to support their team, I think that's just... That just carries on, and it was a phenomenal atmosphere. Talking about the atmosphere, you saw the emotion in Johnny Sexton. A load of the players that seemed to be really emotionally charged at the weekend. The stadium seemed it as well. What was the difference then? Because Johnny Sexton's played against France loads of times, and he looked really emotional in, yeah, in, in, the, the, anthems, in the anthems. Yeah. yeah. So look at Faz every week tries to find a different, um, I suppose team T H E M E. I can't, I'm not good with my THs. T H E M E to try and I suppose focus the mind, get the players ready for for battle. And last Monday he bought he brought Brian O'Driscoll, Craig Doyle, and a fella called Davy Doc Irwin, who's the Ulster team doc, in to explain um, the uniqueness and the unique history of, of rugby in Ireland. Obviously, um, you know uh, it's a it's a one country team, thirty two county team, even though obviously. It's two county, two countries on the island, and as a southern, so I grew up in the south. You know, I went up to play Ulster, Ulster teams at club level at school. You know, played against Ulster many times, and played with Ulster players for Ireland. But to be honest, we actually knew very little about you know what it's like to be an Ulster man playing your 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 rugby for Ireland, or what it's like to 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 live in that political environment. So Brian O'Driscoll did a documentary, shoulder to shoulder, for BT, and. He went on that kind of journey himself to try and find out what it was. So he visited, um, you know, Ulster clubs. He he went up during marching season. Um, he actually played the drums on it, which um, went down very badly with some Republicans, and he got a lot of stick for it. But they came down and, and kind of explained. So Davy Docker Docker when played for Ulster, played for the British and Irish Lions, but he was he was coming to train with Ireland back in the seventies. <clears throat> And they came, the, the car in front of him was, was car bombed and it was an, an English judge and his wife died and he pulled he pulled the bodies out of the car and, and you know, imagine coming down to train for your country and the car in front of you is car bombed because of the of the nationality of the people in front of you. Uh, so, but yet they kept coming, you know, they kept coming. So I think there was, and I think some players from the South spoke about, 
look at it, it's 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 mad, but we have two national anthems, obviously. Um, and the second anthem, Ireland's Call, was brought in to be more inclusive of the 32 counties. And some players from the South didn't sing that. And one of the players, I think, spoke about how when he went home after not singing it, you know, he would be getting people slapping him on the back saying, oh, fair play, fair play. You know, whereas the reality is not singing it or not buying into it isn't really buying into what the team represents and everybody in the team as such. So I think it was just one of those things. You can't do it every week, Andy. But Farrell identified something that's important and and it's important that the current squad and future squads understand the history, um, understand the, the struggles of people in the past. And they 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 chatted about it and, and everyone shared kind of their their understanding of it or their ignorance of it. And it built up to this week being you know, a really special game, 1v2 in the world, etc. But also the whole the whole thing about representing. And Johnny, if you know, that's probably his second last, you know, game in the Viva in the Six Nations um, for Ireland, potentially, by a couple of warm-up games. And it was obviously big for him, but I think it was big for everybody. And, and they managed to get that emotion right, but also being being good technically. I hope I've done that justice. Um yeah, it's 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 quite hard to explain. Yeah, it is. I imagine it is, but I, I say that having lived in Northern Ireland for three years as a kid, my sister was born there, and also the fact that it's been spoken about now. And I did see some stuff that uh, Brian O'Driscoll, when he mentioned on TV about the shoulder to shoulder documentary that was done, and the deep rooted history of Ireland across the the two countries, Northern Ireland and. An island. So it's great that you've shared that because I I wasn't sure why Johnny Sexton was crying like that before the game. I, it wasn't balling, but his eyes filled up. And I think that you've you, you mentioned it there about Andy Farrell, and I suppose one of his biggest strengths is and has to be around the culture because when you're the best team like Ireland, like number one team, you've beaten New Zealand, you've got this World Cup on the horizon. You've got to find a way, right, of motivating the team week in, week out. What other stuff are you hearing, Bernard, that they're doing in the background? I think it's great inside knowledge, but like, and people will see what's going on, on the pitch. But what other stuff aside from what's happened last week are you hearing that, that Andy Farrell's biggest strengths are? Yeah, look, he's just gone really, really big into into rituals, uh, traditions, um, who who people are in, in in the group, real respect for everybody. So it doesn't mean just because he respects you doesn't mean you won't get dropped. Um, but you will be treated with respect either way and made feel special when you're, when you're in a group. So small things like your first cap ritual, uh, and obviously things have moved on, but there used to be a case where you're on your bench for Ireland or England or Wales or Scotland for the first time. And you're not sure you're going to get capped, right? And you're, you're kind of shy about, you know, trying to get extra tickets or inviting your your first coach in school because you don't want to feel like a bit of a plum because you don't get on the field. So Farrell has flipped that around and, and and now traditionally used to get your first cap after the game, um. But it seems as if he's made a, a a tradition and a big thing of on the Thursday before a test match, if you're starting or on the bench and it's your first cap, you would be invited into the the team hotel with your family, um, and you know anyone who's important to you, and you know the, the rest of the players would be there. You know the RFU committee would be there. Um, Ali Kadoos, and that cap will be presented. You know, and it'll be presented by one of the, uh, I suppose, the players who've been in, in that jersey a long time. So, for example, over over November, the Munster prop, Jeremy Lockman, Lockman, he got his first cap. Ty Furlong presented with him, his, his cap. Keen Prendergast from Connacht. Peter Manny, 
placed six as well. Johnny Sexton presented to Jack Crowley. They all spoke. And for, for one of the parents who was there, he said to me, it was the most moving you know, thing he's ever been involved in emotion. And even if his, his son never gets capped for Ireland again, um, he remembered that day. And he remember how Farrell, as the leader, took time out. And everybody took time out of their Thursday or whatever it was an hour to recognize that this was a special day in that player's career. Uh, um, and, and that sounds, look, it sounds something that's so easy to do, but you know, like the biggest problem for some coaches is actually finding time to do things. And Farrell prioritizes those kind of things. Um, you know, for Conor Murray's hundred cap, I think Farrell decided quite a long way out. If all goes well, he'd, he'd, be, he'd make his hundred cap against South Africa in November. He's going to start that game. You know, you're going to start a game because of what he's given to Ireland. And at the time, he probably didn't deserve to start in terms of form. Um, but now, look, he's been really good the last two games. And, you know, he's, you know, those class players, they generally get back if they're, if they're looked after well. And um, that kind of thing, um, spend, like the guys really love, look, it sounds cheesy, they love being in camp. Um, he's always looking for ways of trying to create a better bond. You know, you were in Saracens, you guys, you know, that was something that Saracens do well. Ireland are, are doing it well now um, and he's built a lot of depth. He's, he's created an environment where I think there's a lot of competition. So they went to Portugal for the lead into Wales game and by all accounts, the level of quality was unbelievable because the second 15 were nearly as good as the first 15. And that's something that Leinster have at that level. But to go to an international level and be able to have you know two 15s who are nearly as good as each other pushing you on. And in some ways, actually, it's probably led to a lot of soft tissue injuries because they apparently hit numbers that they've never hit before. And now we've got about six hamstrings. But um, it's it's probably a good, it's a sign that we're in a good place in terms of depth as well. It's frightening. When you when you put it that way and, and the detail they get into and not only on the field, you can see why now they'll run through brick walls and they're so detailed in everything they do for Andy Farrell because you create that culture and that belief and that, buy-in from everyone it's everything it's every, everything isn't it and geez i dread to think what they're going to do against england now because we go to their last game of the season which is probably going to be your grand slam game imagine the emotion then well wow. where is the stumbling block bernard is there one when you look at this island team where could they fall short we probably lack a little bit of power like we got held up whatever four five times um and luckily we, we obviously hurt them from that goal line dropout and, and we managed to be able to you know score four tries so it's hard to be really critical um, the scrum didn't become an, an issue in that game because only five scrums, only one put in for France. So, and the lineout, but there's a lot of like the ball and play time was really high, as you know, and there wasn't many lineouts. So France couldn't, you know, really use their maul as a weapon. So, the fact that France have these monsters, the way the game played out with high ball and play time, not many set pieces, it took away that from them. So you would say, okay, you know, a, a typical Six Nations game or. Uh, you know, a, a game in bad weather, which six, the, the World Cup won't happen in bad weather, you wouldn't think, in September, October. Um, that's the only stumbling block you would say. Our, our question mark is, can we manage that? But um, I think, I think in fairness, we're pretty we're pretty okay in, in most areas. Like the worry was about Tyke Furlong, Finney Bealham's come in and given us, um, you know, uh, a comfort there. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting. I, just something before we talk, talk about Ireland, you know, everyone's talking about this 46-minute ball and play time, and it was outrageous. And World Rugby and the broadcasters want this high ball and play time. The person and the, and the people that are going to suffer are the referees. Like, for Wayne Barnes to go from whatever the average in the Premiership is of 
of 35, 36 minutes to 46 minutes and have less com- less use of a TMO, it's going to put more pressure on the decision-making. And um, that's something that maybe more rugby have forgotten about because I, I think a lot of referees are struggling to keep pace of the game as it was at 36, 37 minutes. How are they going to manage at 46, 47 minutes um, with less reliance on a, on a TMO? Uh, it's going to put them under a lot of pressure and it's going to be a lot more mistakes, I think. I think we need a TMO. We need more TMOs. That's why I'm going for it as well. Um, talking about mistakes then, and obviously I thought Wayne Barnes was a massive part of how good the game was at the weekend uh, in terms of the the way he reffed it, the continuity around the game. But James Lowe's try, how they missed that? <laughs> no, I, I was beside him. I thought he was in touch. And if, but I think the problem there was, and look, I love Wayne Barnes' referee, and I think he did help us in a massive way be a free-flowing game. Um I think the problem there was he his initial gut instinct was on field try, which I thought was a massive call. And then that made uh, when they started looking at the footage, they needed to find clear evidence that it wasn't. And obviously, they didn't have clear evidence it wasn't. I think the photograph, the the, the shot we've seen since was from a photographer. I don't think that was a TV shot which showed his foot was in touch. So obviously, there's a there's a mistake there. And then the red card one, you know, obviously he's, he's been cited now. And again, you just wonder how how that's not given as as, as a red. But look at all, there's going to be mistakes. I think they're under massive pressure, um, and, I, and I think he deserves credit for actually, you know, giving us the spectacle that we we saw. I picked Kellen Doris at the beginning of the tournament as my MVP. I know that your social media clip has done the rounds. Hell of a tune, by the way, that you <laughs> linked in with that. I don't know. For my age, uh, Jim, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a couple of young lads I coach in Bective and I, I rely on them for tunes. <laughs> I'd be using Christy Moore or you two, Beautiful Day or something. So good. Where do you compare Kalen Doris to the likes of Ardi Surveyor? If, if, if he is, Ardi Surveyor is the best number eight in the world, say. I think Ardi Surveyor probably has a better highlights video in terms of some outrageous, you know, runs. He's a, he's a phenomenal ball carrier. But Doris, Doris over 80 minutes, um, the offloading that he's added to his game, uh, the fact he's 24, um, his work race, I think he's nearly complete. You know, his line-out work, um, he's nearly the complete player. He's just getting better. He he was nearly man the match against the against Wales. So, you know, and he was clearly man the match against France. So, um, but the balance of the Irish back row with Van der Fleer, just, you know, all action. And then Omani there for big moments. Um you know, uh, uh, and, and and kind of aggression and, and edge lineouts, obviously as well. I think they just work really well together. And um, like Jack Conan's British and Irish line starter, but he he's on the bench now. Um, and yeah, it's just frightening how good Doris can be. I think one of the big things around Ireland and the big question marks that's always been there is Johnny Sexton and what happens if he goes off, uh, and what's the the next sort of player. Jim's written Johnny Sexton off for years here, but did we see? The real answer at the weekend, Ross Byrne comes on. I thought he played really well when he came on. It's such a hard thing for him to replace Johnny Sexton. But then it's always a question mark, isn't it? Has that been finally put to bed now that Ross Byrne is the guy that can step in if Johnny does go off injured? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's done. I think he's he's the guy that Farrell is going to put his, his time into now over the next um, four or five months to give him as much game time. Obviously, he came on because Johnny got a knock. Um but he came on at a time when you know the game was still there to be won, and he put Ireland in position to to get that fourth try. Managed it really well. I mean, we suffocated France, kept them miles from our own try line. Through really smart kicking across the board, but Ross in particular had two excellent kicks that got us down there. Um, came on against Wales and helped us get a, a bonus point when 
when we weren't really playing well in that third quarter. And his form for Leinster is is very good. Obviously, he benefited from Johnny being injured in January. So, you know, Johnny part of Johnny's genius is his ability to to manage the game and um deal with pressure. And I think Ross is the most like for like. Jack Crowley and Joy Carberry maybe have different skill sets, but what we need is someone like Johnny Sexton um to come on if he's injured or or to play if he um uh, if he's out. So Ross Byrne has now nailed that down, I think. Just looking ahead to the World Cup, you mentioned in your social media about uh, the playing time that this France team has had compared to Ireland. Do you think it's going to be, you'll see a different French side? I know they've got the home crowd, but also in the way they've managed their players going into that tournament? Yeah, massively. I actually think that defeat is good for France. I think um, there's been areas of their game that haven't been functioning as well. They need to, but they've been get, they've been winning some games with just Sheer, you know, magic or moments of genius from from some of their players like Penno, Dupont, etc. Um, or being able to bully teams up front um with the power game, um, which is great to have it, but you need to have other strings to your bow. I, I do think they're tired. I thought Olivion uh, and Aldrich uh, and Jelanche aren't anywhere near the level they can be. And I know Ireland didn't let them play, but look at Italy as well, look at some of the games for their club teams. Um, and that the top 14 is incredibly Difficult, um, you know, week in, week out. Plus, obviously, there's, there's there's more pressure around France as well, more expectations. So I, I think the summer, June, whatever, um, June and a bit of July, five, six weeks off for them, come back in, a good pre-season prep. You know, they're going to be different animals in, in September um, and October. And I think looking and listening to what Galtier and, and his coaching staff said afterwards, that tactically they were, they were taught a lesson. Um, and that was probably an area that France had kind of got ahead of the rest, you know, with Flock Killier coming in as kicking coach with Sean Edwards. They had improved tactically, but the game keeps changing. And I think they got a, uh, they got a taste of that. And, and I'd be shocked if they couldn't find areas they can improve upon, as well as obviously that physical freshness that I think they're missing at the moment. Jim's also been talking up a Scotland Grand Slam from an Irish perspective. Is that something that you think could happen or are you entertaining the thought of what are your thoughts on Scotland? Oh, look, I think they've, they've been really good the last two weeks. Um, it was great to see them back it up against against Wales. Um, it haven't, hasn't been complete performances. Second half's been much stronger. Um, look, he's not bothered. He's not, <laughs> he's not, he's not scared. He's not scared at all. I think... It's a big look. I I don't think France or Scotland will win the Grand Slam. Um, can they have a brilliant tournament? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing them go to France and and, and seeing them back it up there. I think there is a divide. I think there's a divide at the moment. I think France and Ireland are a little bit ahead of the rest. Scotland looked the best of the rest. Um, but yeah, look at they have the talent and they're they get confidence. But I think going to Paris is a is a big uh, is a big test for them. If they overcome that, well then we'd be shitting ourselves going to Edinburgh. But uh, until they do, <laughs> uh, until they do, until they do, I think we, we have to say there's still a bit of a gap. Bernard, thank you very much for coming on the show. Insightful as always, mate. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers, Cheers boys. See you in a few weeks. Nothing right. again yeah. for a few more Guinness and Blacks. Okay, go on. See you. Class act. Yeah, I could listen. I don't know what it is. There's not many Irish people that I could listen to. Not that I don't. I can like listen Irish to. Voices. I can listen to a lot of Irish people. Who? Any of them? Well, maybe maybe uh, not. Well, maybe me. hold on. Maybe not one on commentary. Gordon Darcy, I've had the on comms. <laughs> I don't want to be horrible. He must be on diazepam. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bernard Jackman is. He's a. Uh, 
Top bloke. Top lad. Yeah. He really is. He's uh, had a few beers with him in Dublin. Generally, I could speak rugby to him all day long. And Which is weird him. because we don't, in our social time, talk massively about rugby. But when someone speaks like Bernard, he's so insightful, so knowledgeable. He's got a load of stories. Whether they're made up like mine are, I don't know. But don't, it's just... Don't admit they're made up. No, I'm joking. I I'm believe not, everyone's no, the myth. Everything you say. Really? No. <laughs> uh, brilliant. He's, uh, he's a class act. Yeah, he's a legend. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Scotland, Wales, Jim. I know you want to talk about it. Oh, very happy. Well, Dan Bigger set the scene, didn't he? The I thought you loved it, James. Oh, I love this. This is how to grow the game. This it is. Yes, yes. But actually, his comments were taken out of context in the lead-up to the game. Do you think that's got anything to do with Netflix? Um, like, do you think there's some players that are getting almost produced into... You know how they do on Love Island, and they say, okay, you've got to go and say this or say that. Do you think some of that's happening now no, on Netflix? the Netflix series has been a shit show, apparently. Really? Now, I've heard that Ireland have pulled the plug on it. So they're not allowed into any of the island's meetings and Johnny Sexton and Andy Farrell have said it's a closed door. Then England have got wind of that, so they've done the same. Scotland, because we're on for the Grand Slam, we're happy to open the doors until... Until they have three beers. Until they have three beers. Well, until they have three, exactly. Or Finn says the door's closed because he's running the show. Dan Bigger's comments in the lead-up to the game where he said that what have Scotland won in the trophy cabinet? People are getting carried away. Kaka Cup, three years on the spin. I'll answer you that. Argentina Tour 2010, it was Marder Party Cup. <laughs> Never brought it up. But he's right though, isn't he? And I think there's an element of it, and I'll just rephrase this again. It was taken out of context. He didn't say what the headline said, but if he did say that in that way, then he was 100% right. Scotland have got nothing to show for it, especially in the Six Nations. Wales have been the best team of the of our generation, really, yep. consistently. So why not? It's They've had their time now, and it's being passed over to Scotland. Um, so I know, slash, slash Ireland. So, oh, no, I'm joking. I've got no issues with Dan Bigger. I love that, yeah. building the narrative for the game. I wish we did it more. I wish coaches would say, Sam Tonkins mentioned this when I spoke to him, England Rugby League captain, how good would it be that a coach or a player comes up and says, we're 50 points better than these today, before <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah, We're 50 points better than them. That's how confident we are. If we don't beat them by that, then it's an embarrassment. To have that confidence instead of saying, oh, I just want to get better, just want to get better. So I enjoyed Dan Bigger's comments in the lead up to it. Uh, I also enjoyed the confidence, not just of myself, but of the players. Saying, well, hold on a minute. Let's call you out on that, James. Go on then. Let's call you out on it. What I'm going to call me out. I'd Scotland by 12. Right. So why have you done, why have you sold Scotland down the river? Why have you done them a disservice? Why? 
Well, they won 35 points to seven, James. Yeah, you said 12. That's humility, Andrew. Well, I know. It's like you're not backing your own team. You, you, you're basically saying they're not... 12, by 12 points, is hammering. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> I, I thought we were going to hammer Wales. I know. I did think about it because you've gone 12 points and you thought you were Billy Big Bollocks by saying 12 points. Oh, and everyone was like, ooh, we, I never, think this is we bit, haven't done that in years. I think I put eight on me, on me Vantos <laughs> predictor. <laughs> well, you won, After, by, you won by 28. There you go. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. And look, there's a few things that I don't know how good Scotland are because England are awful at the minute. And again, that yes. hang about. Yes, <laughs> we can drive them all, mate. You can drive them all. Woohoo! Um, and then you've got Wales, who are, I, I thought they were on the knees. They're on the backs. They're that bad. They really <laughs> they're, are. They're not on their backs, mate. They're on their bellies with their fucking faces in the mud. Yeah, and they tried hard. Like the first half, they were stuffy. It was close, wasn't it? And we got a driving line out. George Turner. Like we conceded like one trial game, which was should have been should have been losing at half time though. Wow! And it snapshot of. Check out Finn's skill later in the game. Yeah. Dan Bigger's bit of skill just before half time was unbelievable. Rio Dyer's left his hands. Yeah. Rio Dyer's left his hands in the chair. And that was the big thing. So for me, if if Wales went in 14, 13 up and Rio Dyer scores that, in the build up to that try, you need to see the tackle from Richie Gray yeah. on Alex Cuthbert. He makes a try saving tackle. Like as in, I don't know. What other second row would make a tackle? Well, like I saw that? it and I thought you'd have done that, Jim. Well, I would have tapped tackled him probably just kept my shoulder. <laughs> so we had a little bit of luck going in because George Turner I thought was quite lucky just to get a yellow card. Um, it looked like a swinging arm in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, I was all right with that. Yeah, well, Andrew Brace was your was ready. Yeah, your I, thought, I saw I thought, Bracey before the game. Yeah, shook his hand hard. Mate, he's in decent shape. Mate, he's a good top bloke, isn't he? The top man. It doesn't mean you're a top bloke. You're not good shape. Go on, you messaged well, he, him. He, he, I messaged him before the game. I said, because uh, he's Welsh, born and bred in Wales. Right? No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you interviewed him, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, born in Wales, and I'm a quarter Welsh. I was like, just remember, we're, we've both got a bit of Welsh in us, and Jim will do my head in next week if they win again. And he said, I can only call it as I see it. Wow. Well, he did. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a red, it's a yellow. Okay, well. I, Andrew Brace did a, had a very good game he as referee. Did. Frank Murphy, he looks a million dollars. He was yeah. he was lined. He loves the brill cream on his uh, on the old yeah. lid. He does, that's what I'm going for. I'm going slicker do, straight it, back. When like, it grows back. Frank, when it, when it grows back. But yeah, that half-time momentum swing, w w Wales were hammering the line and they didn't score. Rio died, doesn't score in the corner. And then you go into the second half. What do you mean whatever Warren said at half-time hasn't worked and it's actually gone against Wales? Well, you think in that first half, like Finn was trying offloads. Like one resulted in a penalty, one resulted in a knock-on, put us under pressure. So you wondered what's been said in the Scotland dressing room at half-time if they're like, look, mate, or Finn. You've got to stop throwing these ridiculous offloads because they they're not for whatever reason they're not sticking today. All the best. <laughs> He's like, yeah, lads. Yeah, you. all right, I got I won't you. Be lads. Doing that, lads. My word. But it was the same at half time, wasn't it, for Jono and John Barkley? Were they, oh yeah, they and they all say, like, yeah. maybe it's not a day for Finn Russell to be chucking the wow. offloads. It can show you that in forty minutes you can go from having an average game to one of the most complete performances yeah. of any Scotland fly half we've arguably ever seen. And this, I'm not overstating it. So no. Some of the stuff that he can do and that he did, the offload to Kyle Stane, he could have scored himself. And we've seen him do that for Wrestling 92. And we've seen snippets of him trying to do it. But the offload, the, he set up three of the tries. The best moment in the game for me by Finn Russell was the moment that no one would pick out. Oh, this is why it's GMO. Goody, this is why you all, all were one of the go-outs. His kick to the corner for the 50-22 mm. was game-changer. Because you're thinking just... By the halfway line, mm. Finn don't kick that. Finn either pulls out a chip to himself, he pulls out a miss three, he's having a dance across the field. No, no, no. 
He like we spoke to Sierra yeah, Tupolotu last week and he talked about how diligent he is in the week in his prep and everything like that. He's not a Maverick. He's got the Maverick skill set, but he's a diligent rugby player that understands the game inside and out. And that moment was a massive momentum shift. His 50-22, obviously they end up scoring off the back of that, don't they? Energy givers. Yeah. Like, like them kicks, energy givers. Yeah. And every, you, you get the moment of the offload. It was the offload. The offload was towards the end of the game, right? Which was the the cherry on top of the cake. His performance, and you talk about every facet of it, his kicking to touch, his tactical kicking, his understanding the game, his offloading, you know, pulling defenders out of the line, finding the space for other players, creating space for other players. What did, he, did I'm sure did he do an interview and he, he just said, oh, I'm just doing my job, eh? No, he said what did he say? I'm there to make players look look good. Yeah, that was so after the game they were like, you know, I can't remember what they said, but he basically said that He's just there to make other players look good. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> make the crowd love him. Yeah, he's a hero, and he, you know, he played like it as well. Goody Jim talks about him being one of the greatest or the greatest ten that Scotland have. Had. Where where would you put him? He's Scotland, Scotland's greatest player, and I said greatest that greatest player. Would, give me another one. So not just ten, greatest uh, player. Gavin Hastings. I think in the professional era, give me another yeah. one. There ain't one. There and, and, and people well, called me out before when I said it. And I was like, I'm telling you now. I'm not just saying that. He's Scotland's greatest ever player. He's up there with Jim Hamilton. There's been some shit players, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to remember, we went through years of Scotland never winning the Calcutta Cup. No, I mean, the success that he's had and the impact, he's got to be Scotland's greatest player in the modern era. Well, you think... I mean, you won the Grand Slam in what? What was it, 19... 19... I'm talking about the pro era. Yeah. If, if so you, we're talking yeah. Scotland's greatest ever, then... That's a long debate. Well, obviously, this people won't like and, you. Yeah, of course. But John in the modern, Jeffries and yeah. Irvin and Finlay Calder. Yeah, Finley. and there are some greats gone by, yeah. but we're talking professionally like they're different. Yeah, and in the professional games. era, for the majority of that, Scotland have been really bad. Uh, Finn Russell is comfortably, if he's not the best, he's in the top couple of players. Well, he's the highest paid. So if you base it on oh, that, he's the best then. Yeah, if you base it on value of player, money ball, um, and you know the manager game, like management. Rugby, if there was one, he's one of the highest paid players, so therefore he is the best. Just keep it under three beers. When you look at both teams from the weekend, was it Wales with poor defence or Scotland's amazing attack that won them the game and lost them the game? Like, which one was the bigger player? Scotland, 10 line breaks to Wales, one. Scotland, five tries from eight visits to the 22. Oh, you read some stats, have you? Wales, one try from 14. There we go. 14 what? Visits to the 22. Right. Oh, there we he go. He's reading stats. Uh, I, I think when you look at a game like that, you just got to credit Scotland. We know Wales, they're going through a tough spot and there's fundamentally things they can do better, but let's just embrace how good Scotland are. They've never won, never, ever, ever, in the Six Nations have they won their first two games. Which is shocking, really. Which, when you think, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> luck of the draw. Um, sometimes, if you've got Italy and, well... I can't even say them. We're England, say, yeah. Yeah. No, we had England first up, England so first it was a walk apart. Easiest, easiest game in the championship. But in the, for context there, in the Six Nations, they've never won their first two games. To do it in the manner they have, coming to Twickenham and winning their first game, and then their biggest ever victory over Wales. And Wales are in a dark spot, don't get me wrong. Um, you still got to beat what's in front of you. And Wales had half-time, they're in the fight. That second half, I just thought Scotland were fantastic. They tried hard, Wales. Falasau came on. He was brilliant. Look at me. They, they tried, tried, they tried hard. Look, so patronising. The arrogance oh, no, of a Scotland bad. fan yeah. now. We should also shout out. That's what we used to say when you played. Well, Scotland tried hard. <laughs> Jim tried to catch it. 
Hey, you can't do anything if you don't try hard, can exactly. you? But we should shout out to Blake Kinghorn as well. He came on early for Stuart Hogg and he was very classy at 15. And Matt Ferguson as well, unsung hero. Doesn't really get talked up. It's about Hamish Watson, Jamie Ritchie as captain. Uh, I thought Matt Ferguson was unreal as well. Like made 27, 28 tackles the week before. Didn't you say that you were worried about number eight? I was worried about number no, eight. Yeah, I know. What do you know, Jim? I know nothing. Maybe Just keep it, saying stuff. And maybe it's us. You wrong. Maybe it's us. Don't put pressure don't on put, it. Hold on. Don't put me in this bracket. <laughs> it's you that says these stupid things. If I would have said you to that you, said Sexton should have retired years ago. If I said to you, Matt Ferguson, a year ago, you would be like, I'd have said Xander's brother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you would have said Xander's brother, the younger brother, but he's carved up as well. And we've got Darcy Graham to come back in for France, maybe. Let's talk about Matt Ferguson because. It feels like he's just kind of burst on the scene. Like, what what's his? What are your thoughts on like what's making him have such a positive impact for Scotland? Well, I think he's always been there or thereabouts in terms of output. I think it helps with the team or any team if you're in a winning team. But I think it becomes glaringly obvious where you've got a player whose work rate is through the roof, and you don't see the standout moments of, of busting tackles, but you respect all round performances in terms of tackle count, effective tackles, effective carries, passes. Like he was involved in Duane van der Merwe's winning try against England. Mm. And we were chatting about Richie Gray's. I know he, his was an easier pass, but he's one of them players where he's involved in everything that's good about Scotland and probably under the radar because Jamie Richie's at six and because we've got Duane van der Merwe and we had Sione Tupelotu on and Pierre Schumann, these headliners. But I think that now he's cemented down that Number eight jersey. Talking about Jamie Ritchie, lovely set of eyebrows on him, isn't he? Big set of eyebrows. Has he? I think so. Matt, I can't. I, I've mates with Kelly Brown. I can't think anything past them. That, that's what I thought when I saw him on the weekend. I'm like, really? They're not as bad as Kelly's. I'm going to look big, for that. but I thought they were strong. Strong eyebrow game. I thought. Yeah. Some added emotion to the game as well because it was the Donny yeah. Cup, and how lovely to see Jamie Ritchie, who was involved in the iconic images of the late Doddy Weir against the All Blacks where Doddy brought on the match ball and you could see the emotion of Jamie Ritchie yeah. taking the ball off him there and you could see the emotion of him lifting the Doddy cup and taking it off Kathy, Doddy's wife. The hug between them was... Yeah, was yeah. Mm. it was very emotional in the stadium and I love that. There's a huge shift in Scotland now and I'm not getting carried away. I'm trying not to get carried away, but... It needs to be our time at some point, whether or it's not it's our time. Whether or not it's <laughs> not five years away. ago. Well, hold on a minute. I'm I'm buzzing. I'm genuinely, genuinely buzzing for and the team. Rightly so. So, question. Oh gosh, all right. You're bringing it down, aren't you? I'm, no, it's, it's. I think it's a fair question. Go on then. This is well. It's, it's Scotland's greatest moment of the Six Nations ever so far, right? Greatest ever player. Right. We're talking. They're in a the best ever spot, effectively, aren't you? Well, in yeah. Well. Don't go, don't backtrack now. You're All two right. from two. Yeah. Biggest ever win against Wales. Yeah. Beaten England back to back at Twickenham. Uh, won it the last back. three years. Yeah. Dominating us year on year. Why is Gregor looking for another job? Why don't they extend Gregor's contract po post the World Cup? Well, they might now. This is the thing. Like, I've... if you're the CEO, who's the CEO of Scotland? Mark Dodson. Right, Mark. What are you thinking now? Because I tell you, the only other better option for Scotland that could be out there. Razor. Is Razor, who is about to get the New Zealand All Blacks mm. job confirmed because he keeps doing all these interviews going, oh, I'm just waiting for them to say it to you. Um, like, what's the crack? He's he's saying he's looking for jobs. And we had him on here a couple of weeks ago. And, you, you know, there's the stuff in the press around him being linked with stuff in France. 
if you're Scotland, you're in a, an amazing position now. You've got a talented pool of players that he's brought through. Why aren't you just saying, right, we're backing him? So what happens now? This is the Scottish in me. What happens, though, if we don't beat France, we lose to Ireland, we beat Italy, and we don't make it out well, of it's our your pool? best ever Six Nations. No, not necessarily. Why are you going to a World Cup, right? And you've got Gregor, you're in a great spot, and then judging him after a World Cup. Be proactive. All right, well, Mark might get the message here, as you say. I'm just, hey. I'm Mark, just, come on here and tell What's happening to you? I'm Mark, just going on What week would you on do, week? Jim? Because you, you can't just go week on week. You've got to have a long-term plan. Before. Look at the the war room that the RFU had, apparently, with all the coaches oh, on. I mean, they were like cowboys when they were doing that. So, if you're Scotland rugby, what are you thinking? So, before the championship, I'd say we need a change. And I said it. I said I felt like we did need a change. Post-World Cup. After the World Cup, yeah. we need to look at another coach. Now... Looking at how happy and how well the team are playing. He's upped it to three beers now, and you're allowed three beers. Yeah, I think so. Finn was out. He was FaceTiming me. Loose? No, he wasn't. He was all right. He was all right. Six, the... six in the morning? No. No, I think it was five. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I really don't. Because, because if not Gregor, then who? Exactly. So and what's your answer? I would like to see him carry on now. If you're asking my honest answer, I want to see him after the World Cup now. I think we're on to something. But I don't know whether I'm blinded by the last two weeks. After France, I'll make the decision there. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you just lose to France? <laughs> then we should keep him. Right. If we just lose to France. But Which... then you might think, well, we can beat South Africa. You keep saying you're going to beat South Africa. Right? Mate, I'm just going week on week. What are you, you putting pressure on me? As a CEO, you have to have, you can't just go week to week. But it's who is out there. Vern Cotter left his post at Fiji, didn't he? I'm telling you now, you're better off keeping Gregor Tunzend than Vern Cotter. Yeah, I agree. Dave Rennie, maybe. He's going to do a stint in Japan, I think. He was was he Glasgow? He was Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. So he likes the cold. Um, at, at the minute, Gregor. But Jack, I don't know. I'll do he's got something lined up. I think there'll be a few people after him. Leicester. No. Bristol. Who will Leicester get? Leicester are going to get Rassi. Aren't they? Can you imagine? I wouldn't know. Well, I don't know what you're on You about. need to be in the know, Andrew, because he's going to be paying your wages. I don't if know he what you're talking about. No comment here. I would reckon Rassi Rasmus is off to Leicester. Speaking of coaches, a little mid-show shout-out to long-time listener Steve Borthwick, who listened to Goody last week and ditched the Smith-Farrell axis. Yes, and look what happens. Didn't work. You put a 12. <laughs> Hold on, who played 12? Ollie Lawrence, got man in the match. You pick a 12 at 12, it works. But my goodness me, Al Dower, England. We're at the point now where I'm in with the crowd pre-match and I'm doing a QA and a and I'm interviewing some fans and... I'm in the corporates. People are like, I'll be happy to beat Italy by 10 points. I'm sat there going, what? England fans happy to beat Italy by 10 points. That's hilarious. To put it, it into context. I'll, I'll laugh. I think I'll... we're the only team to have never lost to Italy in the Six Nations. Yeah, but it's now. It's about now. It's I know game, it is. game on game. Mate. And that's the level that we're at. Um, and you've got to give them time, new coaches. What I just can't fathom, listen, we're very good at driving line outs and kicking the ball in the opposition's half and then continually kicking the ball in the opposition's 22. Why do you do that? Eddie Jones, blame Eddie. I blame Eddie. Uh, I, mate, it's, uh, I don't know. And when Ben Earl's doing it, who I've never seen kick a ball for Saracens in my life, you know it's coming from the coaches. I, it was something that was evident under Eddie Jones. Um, the kick through, the amount of times we've done it, Farrell did it four or five times, I reckon. Just build possession, put pressure on the defence. Um, it might be on the odd time, but not, their go-to is kick it through and let's chase. And I get you turning teams and we spoke about Finn Russell's 50-22 earlier. Farrell put a lovely kick in from inside Italy's half that bounced 
just inside the five meter line, which is great, but not when you're at that stage of the game when you're trying to put some tempo in it. I think, yeah, England did enough. First half was good. Jack Willis was great. I thought Chesham was really good in the second row. Again, yeah. Genji played reasonably well. A little bit of loose stuff, ball in hand. Ollie Lawrence was was brilliant. We've got brilliant wingers, exciting back three. Don't touch the ball. Ollie Hassel Collins, I think he maybe had two runs. He's chasing the kick in the two time. games. Yeah. Like you've got a guy, and this is this is what frustrates me a little bit about Steve Borthwick. What he says in the press and the way he sets the team up, very different things. I understand there's a press game to play and all this stuff, but he's saying he's picking these players, and this is the opposite to Eddie James. So he's saying he's picking these players, and I know he said to a couple of players why they haven't been picked. Um, so I won't name names, but he said to one of the lads why he's not been picked is the the stats. And he's a big stats man, isn't he, Borthers? And he said, oh, the carries that player X, Y, and Z, he's getting through more work in the game, so we're going with him. And the player goes, okay, that's fair enough. I understand that. I need to go and work on my game. I need to get more carries, more hands on ball, more touches, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he's then saying, he's using that to players. He's using it in the press. He's saying, I'm picking these players on form and I want them to play to the strengths that they've got and they've the reason I'm picking them. So the likes of Ollie Hassel Collins, I'm picking him because he's carrying the ball loads, he's causing damage, he's making meters. You ain't seen him do that in English shirt because he's not touching the ball because he's chasing kicks the whole time. So, and I get it was a pressure game where we got a win and, you know, the first half, we're 19-0 up at half time. That's where second half, You've got to take it to the next level. Um, and actually, Italy played a better attacking brand of rugby than we did, I thought. Um, you know, Ollie Lawrence is bigger inside centre, but the shape and attack, you've got Nick Evans there as attack coach. And I know he's only attack coach to the end of the Six Nations, but he's coming from Harlequins and he's there because of what he's done as a coach for Harlequins and what he's brought out of those players. Right? You then put him under Steve Borthwick and it's line-out drive, box kick, Pick and go, put it up in the air, chase the kick, defend, drive a line out. And that's all we did. And it was like a throwback to when I played, and we were shit when I played. The groans around the stadium when everyone's just kicking it through the whole time. You want excitement, and if you can't do it against Italy, who are we doing it against? Um, and you've got Nick Evans in at one end of the spectrum for what he does at Quinns. I guarantee you Nick Evans isn't coaching that, and he's not coaching lads that just kick it every time we get the ball. Uh, and I know that's you know a bit, a bit of an exaggeration, but I think we need to show a lot more. And it was crying out. And I, Farrell played reasonably well, you know, for that first sort of 50 minutes, the back end of that second half. So for the, the last half an hour of the second half, he was walking around the field and it was like, we're just playing at this pace, lads, and that's it. That's where you needed to take him off, bring Marcus Smith on, bring Alex Mitchell on, get some pace in the game. And see what it looks like. Yeah. Mm. Isn't this just Steve Borthwick's brand though? Because if you look at it, the Leicester team that won the title with George Ford, they kicked it a lot as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And that's what he considered as successful rugby. But at international rugby, as we've seen, you need way more than that. If we come up against... We, it was very similar to you come up against Africa as, as we did in the autumn. And when our driving game gets stopped, we've got nothing else to go to. So we don't know how to play anywhere in any other way. Scotland know how to play tight. They know how to play wide. They know how to play loose. They know how to play a kicking game. We've At the minute, it seems we've got a driving game and that's it a lot of box kicking and chases your balls. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a bit frustrating from an England fan's perspective. Great to get the win. I can't believe we're all happy about the way we play. We just have to get a win against Italy. Oh, it's going to be close. We might win by 10. I'm not fucking it's Italy, boys. We've never lost to them. Did you see any improvements from this team? Uh, we got better week on week. Well, Italy were poor first half. Yeah. Especially poor. And Didn't I get the rub of the green, I thought. Well, I tweeted that. Stop, start. He didn't give Italy anything. Ferrari 
who was replacement tight end number 18, a Simbin, yellow card, penalty try, never. Wrong call. Put them under huge pressure. And I th and that came off Genji, the, what about him trying to obliterate said Negri? And I tweeted about it. So I said, like, really, that should have been a penalty to Italy. But that resulted in England getting a penalty, kicking to the corner where Ferrari gets Simbin. Yeah. And then Genji's texting me after the game, what are you talking, what are you talking about no arms? I'm, mate, I'm, say what you say. Yeah. You've gone out to absolutely obliterate Seb Negri. How good was he, by the way? Yeah. Um, well, I question you on him in a minute as well. Yeah. Oh, so, but it wasn't it wasn't Dolman who gave the yellow card. Who was it? It was my mate, Mel Dasbooten. Oh, the touch judge, Trini. Remember the French ref? That, is it, it was him. Yeah. It, Wait, why he, do you have to say French? Why do you have to say the French ref? Well, he was the French. Because my description was going to be the French ref that when I was commentating on a game, wore hiking boots to referee him. <laughs> <laughs> it was an extra game. And I was like, Das Boots is on. So is I he, given him, he, he was the touch judge. How was he given that from where he is? Well, he was three yards away. No, but and he's he got it, it wrong. On the other side. He got it wrong. Yeah. Like, that's... No, he, he was the one right by the touchline. Yeah, but that's a bit of money. Like, Ferrari's on the other side of the mall. No, he's come, no, he's come around that side. No, he's come, he's come round, but, it, but he's been done for entry. Yeah. Because you can come round. There's no. There's oh, no, I'm no with issue. you. I'm with yeah. you. But it, in Dolman's defense, it was it came from his TMO, the, um, the Das Boots. Oh, really? Das Boots. Well, I'm sorry, Dolman, but. That ain't a Simbin in no, the penalty not. try. The but he, 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 he's got to react to his assistant referee yeah. who said, uh, from the side, definite penalty try, PK, oh God, I've got my hiking boots on, let's go. <laughs> but I want to ask you about Seb Negri. What do you mean he didn't like Faz? Well, that's the question, right? You interviewed him last week. Did mm. you say to Seb Negri, and I'm just going to say it, because I know you did, if you get a chance, put a shot on Faz because he hates me and I hate him and we played together. And I just don't get better week on week. All I said to Seb was he didn't like me. That was it. I said, Seb, Farrell doesn't like me. And that's clearly put a rocket up his arse. And he's smashed him. He was good, weren't he? Seb Negri. Yeah, he was. But in Faz's defence, and he went too far. Like he's belted him, then he's put his elbow on his face and then his hands in his eyes and all that stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't say his hands in his eyes. No, but... He, on his forehead. Mate, yeah. he ruffled, ruffled him up too yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. It was a penalty. Yeah, uh, he went too far. Yeah, very but then, true. Luckily for Faz, Oli Chesham comes over and flips him back, rolls him, and then runs off. Yeah, and yeah. then Seven Ebri. What do you mean, Oli Chesham had sunburn? What are you talking about? <laughs> it puts things in an interesting position now going to Wales, doesn't it? Well, who shitter? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, the battle of the spoons. Do you know, do you know what? We're, we're third in the league. What are you on about? We're about France, boys. Why, why the I, silence? I'm, I'm, well, I'm not looking. We're still going now. for the champo. Uh, well, no, it's the it's a it's a game for us, isn't it? That decides whether we're in the contest or we're out. Um, I don't know. I'm quite negative about where it. it. Where is it? Where's what? Oh, I, don't, I don't follow England now. It's in Cardiff. Is it? It's in Cardiff. Well, I, yeah. If luck, they luck, lose luck, there. Luckily, Wales are really shit, aren't they? Um, but. Yeah. It, imagine. It, imagine if England get beat three on the spin. After he's just said that. Four on the spin. So it's not even three. If you use you South Africa. If, I, if we lose what? If you guys lose to Wales after you've just said how shit Wales are. Oh, no. But I, I don't think England are that great at the minute, are they? You know. <laughs> His excitement, I just want to excite the crowd and, you know, get excited about watching this England team play to their strengths. Lads, kick it to the corner and drive. <laughs> and they look so unconfident. Yeah, when you can't kick it to the corner, kick it in the fucking air, lads, as well. And when you can't kick it in the air, kick it along the floor. Just out, chase yeah, it. Out of the two teams, being honest... They look knackered. I'd say Wales look better. And I'm saying that. <laughs> Come on, Jim. I'm telling you now. Scotland's biggest ever win over Wales, and you're saying they look against, better than England. Against Ireland. Right, that's right. It. Against Ireland. I'm England till I die. 
England till I die. I'm not. But yep. I'm not saying that to, to like cause an issue or anything like that. Against Ireland, Wales looked all right. I know they got done with an intercept pass. Uh, Jack Morgan got held up uh, over the line. The score line didn't really reflect how well I thought Wales played in that game, which was okay. Like, again, a six out of ten. Against Scot- We're talking Scotland, one of the best teams in the world at the minute. We should have so beat you. Just, you. Gonna... you beat us with three minutes to go. But we didn't... Hey, why? Because of a three-legged man. That's I weeks mean, ago. That's three weeks man. ago. Scotland, like... You cheated against us because you had three legs, you well, said. Well, there you go, yeah. Duman van der Mover has got three legs. I said that in the Scottish Business Club at the weekend. That It didn't go down well. No, not so much. No. Did that? No. Talk it, me through it. Well, we were just in the business club. I looked around at the demographic. I could just see older people. So I said, we've got Duan van der Mover on the wing, the three-legged man. And I looked around and there were some younger people in the room. And they were like, what does he mean by three-legged man? Who's the three-legged man? What, the older <laughs> older people or the younger people? Well, women? I don't know. Some of the women started. How, start. how young were the younger people? Yeah, they were, they, they were as in, n- not old enough to know that, that a man should have three legs. Yeah, I think. So. Know your audience. Yeah, you got to know your audience. And I suppose, look, I just got carried away. I got carried away. You thought you were on the podcast. Yeah, say what I want. You know, we just done Usher Hall, King Kong. Um, Yeah, but Wales, even the second half where Scotland ran away with it, they didn't roll over. No. But. But if there's ever a game that Wales will get up for. Yes. And Gats can get the best out of his troops, whoever his troops are, because I don't even, he, he obviously dropped a few. I told you. Well, you did, yeah. Oracle. Yeah, that he dropped, he was going to drop Falatau and... Tipperick. He didn't say Tipperick. You said, no, I said Tipperick. You said he just dropped Falatau. Oh, did I? Well, let's yeah. just say, it sounds better if I said Tipperick yeah, yeah, as well, because yeah. he did. But when he gave all them a go, and that didn't work either, did it? So what does he do now? Bring back Alan Wynn. To be fair, I thought Dafford Jenkins played really well. Yeah, he did. Man, he looks about 13. Yeah. What do you do if you're, if you're Wales? Do you bring back Alan Wynn? Do you bring back Falatau? Do you bring back Tipperick? Falatau was good when he came It on. was very good. Really good. Really good. And it, do you know what? The Welsh, there's no bigger game for them than the English coming down to Cardiff. We're just trying to get better week on week. We've, we've sorted out driving line outs, right? Good at that. Next thing, kick accuracy. So we're going to kick more <laughs> and longer. We're going to keep doing that until we do it properly and then we'll be right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can see us losing that. How much are you enjoying the power dynamic oh, shift here I'll be honest I am loving it absolutely loving it oh. Scotland's greatest ever side they're going to come third in the tournament not make it out of their I mean if, if that's your greatest ever you finished in third fair play to <laughs> yeah. well yeah, I finished third under Dean Ryan got a hell of a bonus hell of a bonus back in the day when you fe- when you say you finished third well, it, was, it was joint fourth but <laughs> <laughs> right should we finish things off with the good the bad and the ugly yeah, let's start off with the good then. Um, and we're going to give a shout out to a few individual players, James. Start off with Andrew Porter, James Ryan and Dave Kilcoyne. Mm. Do you know why? No. 50 caps each for Ireland. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So big shout out to those boys. Mention the good. Uh, on that note, someone's double them. Stuart Hogg. Mm. 100th test. So 98 for Scootland and two for the Lions. So massive shout out to Hoggy. No doubt. Well, hopefully. How is his injury? It was HIA. Was it? Yeah. So he should be all right. So he should get to 100 tests for Scotland this Six Nations. Yes. Maybe uh, Ireland at home. Mm. We'll see. If he doesn't go with Blair Kinghorn, it was bloody good. He was good. Uh, but anyway, shout out to Hoggy for his 100th test match. Um, what else was good this weekend? We'll go to Scotland. We can't give it to Scotland. Can we give it to Scotland? 
You were in Edinburgh on Wednesday. That was, was a good night. I've given a lot to Scotland. Did I give it to Scotland last week? I did. I gave it to them last week. Okay, you're all over it. I can't. I, I love Scotland. I love Edinburgh. I loved our live show. I didn't love the fact that you beat England at Twickenham, but I love the fact that you had your biggest ever victory over Wales at the weekend. 35 points to seven. Finn Russell, the magic man. Uh, not only magic with his hands, but with his boots and his game control. I thought it was a complete performance by Scotland. So, first time they are two from two in the Six Nations, which is a flabbergasting stat, really, James. Mm. And then you think back to it that you've played a lot of those Six Nations games. So, and we know your win percentage. Okay, so. that's fine. Yeah, we'll leave it there, shall yeah, we? Yeah, we'll But yeah, shout out to Scotland. They get to mention the good, but the good this week goes to Ireland and the Ireland versus France game. What a spectacle. Top two teams in the world didn't disappoint. 46 minutes and 10 seconds of ball in play time. Kayla Miel Doris was absolutely ridiculous. Gary Ringrose as well was fantastic with his try. Um, just the whole game, the whole spectacle, the emotion. Hearing from Bernard Jackman as well, the layers of emotion on top of that. Uh, one of the best games we've ever seen in the Six Nations, I think. So that's why Ireland versus France, but mainly Ireland. That's why they get the good this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bad, a few bits of bad. Two decisions in the Ireland versus France game by... Wayne Barnes and his team. Uh, James Lowe's try, first and foremost, wasn't Barnes' fault. I'm going to put it out there. Uh, but obviously, the big one was the decision to not send off Winnie Antonio. It was a clear red card, and we'll find out what his ban is over the next 24 hours, James. Two weeks. Does he do charity work? Well, he does now. <laughs> Could only be one there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see what happens to Winnie Antonio. But yeah, probably anywhere between four and two weeks, I reckon, depending on... Gautier must like him. He'll say he's a really good lad. Yeah. But the bad this week goes to Wales. They were spanked up in Scotland. Uh, very poor second half. And the first time they've lost their first two games of the Six Nations in over 16 years. Mm. So, um, yeah, Wales not in a good place. They're in a bad place. And that's why they got the bad. Their biggest ever defeat to Scotland as well. So, Wales get the bad this week. Uh, then the ugly, two bits of ugly really that I found. Uh, we've just spoken about one. Weenie Antonio's tackle. Might get some mention in the ugly. He doesn't win the ugly because the ugly goes back to the Worcester debacle and Jim the Tool O'Toole and his friend, James Sanford, the two new cowboy owners of Worcester Warriors. What are you doing? Making it six ways rugby, saying we're going to go and play in Nat 2. We're taking over Starbridge. We're going to use their team. It's basically, I reckon it's another land grab because the land at Starbridge Rugby Club would be worth a lot of money to sell for housing. And he's probably trying to do a deal with that. He's probably going to siphon off. Basically, Jim O'Toole, bring back Worcester Warriors. Bill, get out your sleeping bag, Bill Sweeney. Tell them they cannot disband Worcester Warriors. Whatever's happened in this takeover from the going into liquidation and they're the favoured buyers, um, the creditors, rugby creditors aren't getting paid. But that's why, isn't it? Like, that's why, if you've you got to think, again, having not looked too much into it because I just don't want to fill my life with negativity. But if you're... These I, two I get what they're owners. doing. They're lying. They've lied to people, James. They're liars. They're liars and manipulators. I'm manipulators. But if there's an eight million pound or eight point six or whatever it is million pound debt that needs to be paid back, you ain't keen to pay that back, are you? Well, you've got to keep the rugby club alive, right? Worcester Warriors. Think about Cecil Duckworth and everything that he did for that club. But there's no loyalty when it comes to money, Andrew. No, I know. People. I know. And but Jim O'Toole played the "I'm the good cop" card, and I'll save this rugby club. As soon as he's in there, oh, no, I won't. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bin it all off and I'm going to call it Six Ways Rugby and we're basically going to be Starbridge, but we're going to use Worcester's ground. Well, I wouldn't be paying the $8 million. Yeah, That's so, all I know. I, I know, wouldn't. but anyway, either way, I think uh, it's a really ugly scene that uh, Jim the Tool O'Toole has created. 
with his Atlas crew, um, and you hope common sense does prevail. He's now saying they don't want to be in the Champo next year. Well, Jim the Tool, rescue Worcester Warriors. Stop worrying about anything else. Or let Dimes do it. That's my next point. If you ain't doing it, bring back Dimes, because he will. Where's the fucking money? Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, firstly, a massive shout-out to Ross Tomini, uh, who sent us a message in. He's uh, been a massive listener of the pod with his dad, who sadly passed away on December the 10th after a two-year battle with lymphoma. Um, his dad and him were season ticket holders at Gloucester for 20 years, uh, and they listened to the podcast week in, week out. Uh, he was born in Glasgow, but adopted Gloucester as his home, basically because of you, Jim Hamilton. Uh, and they listened to the rugby pod by his bedside as he was unable to get out, and it gave him a smile on his face all the way till his last days. So uh, to Ross and your family, Ross Tomini, we're thinking of you, um, and uh, hopefully you'll continue to get some laughs from the rugby pod over the next few years. Yeah, thinking about you, Ross. And we've got another shout-out to young James Franklin, who plays for Gloucester under-17s and still on the world, Colts. JJ used to play for them. And he's undergoing an ACL reconstruction this week. So, James, from us here at the pod, hope the op goes well and you're on the men and back on the pitch soon. Yeah, get well soon, James. And a massive shout-out as well to Bridge North rugby player Gareth Blade on making 400 appearances for the club uh, and to Lutterworth RFC as well, who are currently celebrating their 150th year. Gareth Blade. He ain't called Blade, is he? Mr. Blade. Made up. Bladesy. Bladesy. Blade. Uh, I've got a final shout out to Andrew Duckworth and his two brothers who are running the London Marathon to raise money for the RFU Injured Players Foundation. They were inspired by the story of their father, Stephen, who broke his neck playing rugby and unfortunately lost the use of both legs and one arm. But he's gone on to achieve some great things in his life and is actually a trustee of the charity, having benefited from their support. If you'd like to donate, just visit the TCS London Marathon donation page and search for Edward Duckworth. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod.